It's been almost two years since I discovered a YouTube channel by a remarkable young man. Kenya Chestnut, a college student, uses his platform to take viewers on a journey of self-discovery, self-discipline, and emotional growth. I sat down with Kenya to talk about his experiences as a budding entrepreneur and social media influencer. I'm Sergio Gregorio, and this is The Surge Experience. Well, Kenya Chestnut, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I have been wanting to talk to you for some time. Uh, as you know, I, I discovered you on YouTube. Uh, you've got a YouTube channel that's focused on personal growth and development. How would you describe your YouTube channel? <laughs> that's a good question because that's something that I've had, uh, I guess, trouble with. Because originally, so I started my YouTube channel two years ago. Um, I started out making videos for Howard students, so like prospective Howard students. And the reason why I made videos for those students in particular was with, when I was applying to Howard. Um, so Howard is 70% women, which is, yeah, it's really interesting. Wow. So when I got into the school, when I was watching videos on like, what is Howard like, I just... I didn't really feel connection with the people because a lot of the people who were making those videos were women and I couldn't really relate to their experience. So I started out making videos for Howard students. Uh, my goal was to just bring a different perspective, a male perspective. But now I've kind of transitioned to making videos about like personal growth, as you said. Um, but I would say I'm still kind of in a transition phase where I'm kind of narrowing down who I'm making videos for and like how I went to transform people. So I didn't realize that was your beginning. So you start, did the university, what, uh, hire you to create these? Oh, so you just did this on your own. You saw there was a need and you started creating these videos and people started watching you. Yes. And I guess we're attracted to New York, to the university because of that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've had, it's really cool. I've had students, so especially this year, I've had students come up to me and say like, you, you inspired me to go to Howard. Like, you influenced me to, to do that. So, yeah, <laughs> just seeing people, it's crazy to think about, like, I guess the impact that you can make just from sharing what you do on social media. Yeah, social media is um, really big. And there are a lot of uh, videos online uh, with regard to almost every university. I mean, you've got, you know, students talking about just their experiences, you got students talking about, you know, admission standards, Greek life. Um, but so you moved away from, I guess, focusing on that to um, what I what seems to be personal growth and development. But you're saying that's still developing for you. Yeah, that's still developing because I would say there's still I do want to point my audience to a goal. Like I want to get a more I would say a more specific audience. Um not niche down, but like niche down on a goal. That's what I'm looking to do. So I really want to inspire people to start creating. So it can be anything. It can be content. It can be uh, some sort of business, whatever. But I just want to inspire people 
to start creating really their ideal realities. And so that's kind of where the personal growth comes in. But I do want to get a little bit more specific. Um, that's where I'm kind of moving right now. Okay. Uh, and watching your videos, and I can't remember the very first one I saw, but it they seem to be very introspective <laughs> and very almost like for mature audiences. And I don't mean that in <laughs> obviously an X-rated way, but <laughs> literally the, the stuff you talk about is really deep. And, you know, some would say very serious. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes. And <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I would say, so when I think about like creating content or just sharing online, I always think about like you share for people that are a couple steps behind you. Like I think like, okay, I'm sharing videos or I'm sharing for people that were a couple years behind me. For example, when I made the Howard videos, I was a freshman, a sophomore, but I was creating for high schoolers who were going through the college admissions process. And I would say it's a little weird what I do kind of, because as you said, the introspective nature attracts people who are older than me. And I've always had, even just like with conversations, I remember, you know, I would go to block parties and I would talk to the, you know, people that were older than me, like, <laughs> right. yeah, like my uncles and all of that. So it's been, it's interesting because I've always wanted to make content for people that are younger, but I seem to also attract people that are older than me too. Do you think you're attracting mostly uh, an older crowd? According to my analytics, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's just because of maybe the topics. Like I've, I'm still, no, I'm still known for my Howard videos. Okay. Let's talk about some of uh, those topics that you've covered on your YouTube, um, on your YouTube page. You did a video on how to be a high value person. <laughs> what, what is what is a high value person? <laughs> That's a really good question. So I guess let's just. Let's take a step back and think about why I made that video. So a lot of people online, they talk about like being high value. Um, and I feel like people don't really define it. When I see it on like my feed, I see like high value man, high value woman. Uh, usually it's in the context of dating, like attracting people. Um, and I didn't want to make my video about that. I wanted to make being high value and the sense of you're always developing yourself. And so that was really the purpose of that video was to define what high value is. And to me, being high value is seeking self-awareness and, seek, and seeking excellence and always leveling yourself up. So people say like glowing up. Usually they use glowing they, up. Yeah. Really? Oh, have you? I haven't heard that. Oh, glowing up as opposed to <laughs> yeah, blowing like a, up. a glow up. Yeah. Uh, but oh, usually man. people use it in the context of like you glow up physically. So like you become prettier. Um, oh, yeah. So it generally refers to how you look. Or, I mean, because the way you're describing it, it's more internal and it's about what's inside. And but. that's what I wanted to kind of shift it towards. Okay. Less of like glowing up in a physical sense. I mean, you can. Um, and that can also be an act of self-development too. Like, for example, um, if you want to work out and you kind of, you can glow up just from working out and you look better. Or but not I, work out and yeah, blow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know about that. <laughs> but I wanted to I wanted to shift the high value thing. I wanted to define it as something that is 
something that you control and something that is inwards. Like you, you seek self excellence, and you're doing that through just everything. And so, and for the context of that video, though, I talked about waking up at five a.m. Right. That's just how I was. Um, that's how I was, I guess, becoming better at that point. And why is that important to to wake up at five a.m. Or is it important for everyone to do that? No, I don't think everyone has to do it. Um, I think, though, it's about defining how you want your day to look like. And so some people, you want to make time for the things that you want to do. For example, you have a podcast, right? Um, I'm sure editing is important for you. Editing is also important for me for what I do. So I said in that video that I wanted to make time to edit and Waking up at 5 a.m. allowed me to fit editing into my schedule because I have classes at 8 um, on Mondays and Wednesdays. And so I wanted to create a couple hours where I could do that. So it's not really about when you wake up. I think if you wake up earlier, and this has been shown, if you wake up earlier, like you can get work done at like just more effectively because you haven't been exposed to people or your devices. So but I don't think it matters when you wake up. I just think it's about intentionality. But you do have to wake up. Well, yeah, you do have to wake <laughs> okay. up. You do have to wake up. <laughs> All right. At yes. some point. Yeah. Some people don't, you know, <laughs> spend the whole day in bed. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting to me. I thought about that. Now, I tend to wake up early, but it's not like a super structured, I wake up at a certain time. I just wake up early. And I find that people who are, I think what when you when I think of high value, I think of people who are efficient and consistent and are able to give to the world because they've got a sense of, you know, discipline, self-actualization. People who wake up early generally also work out and generally have breakfast. Not always. Some people just do coffee or whatever. And it's like all of these different things come together to help them become more high valuable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I agree with that. Yeah. I think because you're To me, it's like you're prioritizing yourself. Like, for example, a lot of people work. I have school because I'm in college. But when you create that, when you wake up early, you have a chance to create time to do the things that you need to do. So whether it's working out, whether it's editing a video for me, you're making that time before you go into work for yourself. And I think that that's the important thing. Because I've also noticed even, like, for example, my mom... Um, like she has three children and like she wakes up earlier than us and like a big thing is because she has time for herself like she has time to start the day before you know her children are waking up and so I think that's that's what I wanted I also wanted to get that across in the video like prioritizing yourself because I think that's something that people struggle with yeah what other what other things are you doing uh, to become a high value person, uh, even like just pursuing YouTube. So, so just for some context, I'm a business major or marketing major, um, and I'm in. So I go to Howard, but I'm in an honors program, and so a lot of people in that program are very ambitious. Um, and we have corporate partners like Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Citibank. They come to our program. They sponsor the program to basically recruit us. And so a lot of people, they go to those companies and that's kind of like the path, but I don't want to do that. And so to me, waking up at 5 a.m. 
is making time to invest in myself. I'm investing in the project of, you know, building my YouTube channel and pursuing that after college. So that's how I, that's how I'm investing in myself beyond the waking up. The waking up is just a means, the waking up early is a means to uh, make time for the bigger thing, which is, you know, my project, YouTube, that type of thing. And then even going beyond that, why do I create a YouTube channel? Well, number one, it's impact. You know, I want to impact people. But then it's also about like flexibility and like financial freedom. And so even beyond that, all of, all of the things connect. So, yeah, I don't know if that answer makes No, it sense. does. But you said something really interesting. You said, I'm a marketing, uh, marketing major, right? Yes. You're studying business. <laughs> but <laughs> that's not what I want to do, essentially. I mean, and so you wake up early and you allow time for doing what you really want to do. Is there any reason why um, you haven't, like, switched to a major that's more consistent with what you want to do? Mm, that's a good question. In fairness, I did because I started out as a finance major. Okay. And I, <laughs> I majored in finance because I thought that I would learn about personal finance. And I thought that that would be the best way to, you know, gain financial education, financial literacy, um, become financially free, basically. I switched to marketing because of my YouTube channel. I realized that I had a, 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 an interest in marketing. Um, and you really have to learn the basics of marketing to grow on social media or even just understand like even just to understand what you're making you have to understand marketing and storytelling so i would say that i already did um the reason why i didn't shift out of business though was because i understand that business is really important and i'm creating a business when i do youtube that's so interesting because i think in the last 20 or so years so much of the skills that people in communications are developing can be developed outside of traditional universities, traditional trade schools. Now everyone feels like they have access to a camera, and everyone does, and everyone feels that they can perform on camera, they can ask questions. And so there isn't this desire necessarily to feel like that those skills need to be mastered in a traditional setting. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And so you also did, I don't know if this was the same video, you talked about time management. Was that the same, or did you do a whole video on time management? I think I did a whole, I, yeah, I've done a whole video. An entire video on time management. I've, Why, done, yeah. I've done multiple, actually. Uh-huh. Because um, I made a video about, like, how I plan for a new semester that was kind of a time management video. Mm -hmm. And then I made a video maybe a year ago now, that was about like how to set priorities. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a time management video. And, and why is time management so important to you? <laughs> well, um, or anyone. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really important because think about this. We all have, so again, let's zoom out here. We all have one life, right? We all have one life. And so you want to make time for the things that matter. But in order to do that, you need to have some sort of self-awareness of what matters. And so that's why I talk a lot about self-awareness. Once you understand the self-awareness aspect, you need to understand how to manage your time so that you're making time for the things that matter to you. Because if you don't manage your time, then you're gonna have your time managed by someone else. 
or you're going to have your time managed by uh, whatever you want to do in the moment, which may not align with your long-term vision. So that's why time management is important. And honestly, I should probably talk about it more. But it's even something, time management is something that I'm still learning right now. And I think something that I'm learning right now is there's a, there's a big connection between time management and energy management. Oh, tell me about that. What, what, what does that mean? Yeah. So basically, this is something that I've struggled with in the past. Like I would just work on something and like not take a break. And I've realized that understanding when you have the most energy can reduce how long you're working. And that in itself mm. is an act of time management. Like you have to, you're managing your time, but you're also managing your energy. And I think that's something that I, I realized that in high school, actually. Um, I remember in high school, uh, I'm from Philadelphia. So I went to a school called Central High School, go Lancers, 279. But um, <laughs> so that high school, it was really competitive. Um, we're talking the top Sorry students. about the Super Bowl, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, that, that one still hurts. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but yeah, so that school, like, we're talking, it's like the feeder school to UPenn. Um, the top students got into, like, all of the Ivy League schools, so really competitive school. When I was in middle school, I was, like, the top student. But when I got to that school, I was average, basically. And the reason why was because I didn't know how to manage my time, but I didn't know how to manage my energy. So... I would stay up late doing work, but I wasn't doing work at the right time because I didn't have the most energy when I was doing my work. And so one thing that I, would, that I started doing was I would take an hour and a half after school to just take a break. I wouldn't do work because I just, I wasn't in the mindset to do it. And then what I would do is I would go to the library and I would make sure that the library was at least 15 minutes away from my house because it was like an adventure, like I would walk to the library or I'd have to take the bus to the library. And I made it into an activity where like, I got to go to the library. And so when I would go there, I was, because I was excited, I already had energy. And so even that is an act of time management, but also energy management, because, you know, I could have just done my homework right after school, but it would have taken a lot longer because I didn't have as much energy and I wasn't, you know, as excited to do it. How long is your window of energy? I mean, what, a couple hours each day, a few hours each day? In does, terms it, of, does it depend on whatever you did the previous day? How do you figure out when you have the most energy? Uh, practice. Yeah. <laughs> like right now it's usually in the morning. Okay. Uh, from seven to 11. Do you find that your energy changes depending on whether or not you're working on something that you're passionate about? Yes, absolutely. Like it's 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 easier. Like it's it's easier to wake up in the morning. Um, it's easier to do the task that I'm doing. I mean, it's not even really a task, but exactly right. <laughs> but certainly, and yeah, because that's something I I struggle with, like doing things that I don't want to do. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, everyone struggles with that, but yeah. yeah, there's a connection, but there's also ways to get around doing things that you don't want to do. Yeah. yeah. I find that for me, um, recently as in the last few years, 
I just fall asleep. <laughs> I'm not interested in something. No, literally, I just start getting tired. I start nodding off. Meanwhile, if I'm up editing or doing something really interesting, I can be up till three in the morning and not want to go to sleep because I want to finish doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I've I've gone through the same thing too. But that, so in the moment, it feels great. But then long term, that can uh, affect me. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. You said you you grew up in Philly. Yes, yeah. Philly, Sheltonham, which is right outside of Philly. I'm the oldest. Uh, I have so kind of complicated. Well, not complicated, but I'm the oldest. I have a sister. I have a half brother and I have a half sister. But I think of them as like my sister and my brother. But yeah, I'm sure so they'd appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my parents um, grew up in Philly. Okay. Moved to Sheltonham, which is right outside of Philly. It's like five-minute walk. Um, my parents got divorced when I was nine or ten. Um, they married other people, and then they had children, basically. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of upbringing, um, I don't know. Like, I just remember... That's an interesting question. I, I mean, I went to private school from K to 4, Ended up having, I, I left that school, um, ended up going to, like, my local middle school. And I remember, so K through 4, I wasn't, like, a, I wasn't really a good student or anything. I was kind of average. Um, my sister. <laughs> K through 4? Yeah, I mean, I know, maybe. Isn't everyone just kind of, yeah, all, I never think of, like, oh, you know. I guess it was. A star in the fourth grade. <laughs> it was, um. You're saying they had a, you had not been identified as like gifted or anything at, at a very young age. And my sister was okay. I see and I think mean. that that uh, I had a chip on my shoulder. I think okay because of that. Okay, because she was kind of like the gifted one, and hmm. uh, and she's younger than you. Yes. By what? Like a couple of years? Yeah, she's because I'm a junior. She's a senior in high school, so okay. like three, four years. Okay. But yeah, she was kind of like the gifted child. Uh, yeah, very smart, kind of no problems. I remember, <laughs> I've never told this story, but when I was in daycare, maybe I was like three or four, I bit the teacher. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, this is weird. This is random. But yeah. I like I like bit my teacher when I was like three or four. Oh, so you were three or four, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Not like not six 14. So, right. But yeah, I ended up getting like kicked out of that school, basically. Okay. So Do you remember I, why you did that? I mean, just... Uh, apparently, this is what my mom said, but I, I said that, like, the teacher was uh, racist. Um, mm. Yeah, she, she she's white. The, the daycare was very white, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'd been complaining even before that. So it, it I could have... It could have been valid. I don't know. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't bite your teacher, but... <laughs> 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 but, yeah, so... But, yeah, so just... I remember... My childhood just having a chip on my shoulder and I remember when I got to middle school I had a teacher who really believed in me um, her name was Miss Garrison and she really made it a point to make sure that I would succeed um, and I was at a new school and yeah she <laughs> I just I feel like that experience changed my life and I remember I started doing well in school I started believing that I could do well in school. I started thinking of myself. Well, I always thought of myself as smart, but I remember 
thinking like, okay, people finally see it now. And I remember my actions started aligning with that. I started reading books and I started learning about my history. And that's kind of when the self-improvement, personal growth stuff um, started, I guess, manifesting in my life or just like acting. Yeah, the, there are studies that say that if you have at least one teacher in your life, it only takes one teacher throughout the course of, I don't know, 12, 13, well, 12 years to change your course and your direction and how you see yourself. That's why I share online, because I've had, even since that experience, I've had teachers, I mean, they're not like teachers that I've met, but like people on social media or people um, creating documentaries that have taught me or brought a different, I guess, perspective and kind of, they've expanded my awareness of what is possible. And so for me, what I do is I just, I see it as like giving back. So mm. I've gone through a personal growth journey. Now I'm giving back. I'm just sharing what I've learned along the way. Right. So you see ultimately what you're doing is really a, a function of serving your audience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because is there any other way to really get through an experience like that? I think, you know, if you're building a brand or building a YouTube channel, I would imagine it, it helps to see your role as a servant to the people who are watching in order for you to have the the energy to keep going and to for it to feel meaningful yes absolutely yeah. especially i mean i've been doing this for two years and um so i have like 500 subscribers which is really cool i just hit that maybe like a week ago but if you told me that i had 500 subscribers two years ago i probably would have said like man, that's not really that much. Like, you've been putting in work for two years. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And you could say, like, oh, because personally, I really appreciate, I actually have, like, a greater appreciation now for, like, building that community. But you could say, like, there's a certain level of belief and you really have to love what you do. So, yeah, I would say, like, I could have quit, you know, years ago if I wanted to, but I really... I really believe in what I'm doing. I really believe that, I mean, I can see it now, like people have come up to me, but I really believe that like I can make an impact and that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. Okay. I want to take a, a quick break. I, I want to pick up with more on building that community and on your most recent video, which I have some, <laughs> some things to um, um, add uh, to that, the whole idea of perfectionism and letting something go. So we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. This is Dani Alicea, and you're listening to The Surge Experience. Hey, where you been? The Surge Experience is bringing you interviews with thoughtful people on some interesting topics. We go deep, and sometimes not so deep. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. We're also on DC Radio 96.3 HD. Visit us at thesurgeexperience.com. So before the, the break, you know, we were talking about, uh, you did a video on perfectionism, which I thought was really interesting. This is something that I... Um, 
I don't say I've dealt with, you know, uh, the idea uh, that for you, I think you defined it as constantly getting better, um, a need to evolve continually. Well, I guess the irony is that perfectionism, because before that I hadn't posted for, I think, like three or four weeks, and it was because of perfectionism. So I took a course recently about it's like an online business course, but one of it, one of the parts was writing, like how to write effectively. And so I've been trying to like write YouTube scripts, write scripts for my videos, and it just, it was not coming off. Like I was, <laughs> it was terrible. I didn't realize people wrote scripts for YouTube videos. Yeah. Well, because I always think of, you know, like dramatic scenes and stuff. I can see that being scripted, but people actually like write out um, kind of everything they want to do on camera. Not everything they want to say, but certainly like the main points for okay. sure. Just to stick. Okay. Because retention, audience retention, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. So you want to stick to your points mm-hmm. and just be crisp and clear mm-hmm. and concise. So, so yeah, so I was writing scripts and I, I basically was struggling to put out a video and I was reflecting, like, okay, why, why am I not putting out this video? And so I went back and watched some of my older videos, and I was like, wow, I was so much more free in these videos. And it was because I wasn't worried about like making the perfect video, because I already, in that moment, I knew that I wasn't really that great at making videos back then. And so I wanted to bring that energy to what I was doing now, and I realized that creating or trying to create the perfect script was preventing me from getting to my goal, which was just putting out a video. But I mean, just even beyond that, though, I've had perfectionism has always been something that I've struggled with because I want to do things effectively. And I go down rabbit holes to do that. Where did that come from? <laughs> um, I wish I could say I knew. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the first time that I really realized it, though, was probably middle school or high school. Just like, because the first thing that I really struggled with was getting grades. I think we talked about that earlier, but like getting good grades in high school, because to me, it was if I don't get good grades at high school, then I won't get into a great college. If I don't get into a great college, I won't make, you know, a good living, and then I won't be able to support my family. Now I know that that's not even true, but back then that was my mindset. And so I remember I picked up a book called How to Become a Straight A Student. (laughs) (laughs) And um, basically from that book, like I learned about, you know, how to get good grades. But that was like the first experience where it was, okay, I need to improve in this thing because if I don't, then there's going to be big problems. And I picked up the book and then I realized, okay, these are some things that I can apply. And it worked. Yeah, I was watching uh, for probably the third or fourth time in my life. Akilah and a B last night was on, um, it's on, I think, Prime. And that movie is about a young lady, um, a young black girl from, I, I don't know, South Central or something like that, who eventually goes on to win the national spelling bee and or Cohen and the person she wins alongside of 
is, I believe, a Japanese young man um, whose dad throughout the entire um, movie um, was pushing him and pushing him so hard that the young man just didn't have any kind of um, he wasn't comfortable. Everything appeared to be rote. He was under a lot of pressure and there, there was this need for perfectionism in a sense. Uh, so it seems like it can come from many different places. Yeah. Yeah. I've ex- not experienced, but seen that happen. I was a pretty, I feel like I'm bragging here, but like I was a pretty good baseball player. I was on like a, like a local all-star team and, um, the coach, one of the coach, his son was on the team and he was a good player, but he just wanted his son to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I remember like as the years went on, he he stopped playing baseball Mm. and I felt like a lot of it was because of, you know, how his father expected him to be perfect at baseball. That's an interesting thing to happen, right? Someone who he probably was good already and he probably had some talent but the but his dad pushing him to be perfect made him resent baseball yeah and the funny thing is i mean i'm sure it probably made him better at some point but then when he pushed him too hard it you know it uh it soured the whole experience yeah and that's i guess that was my point with the video perfectionism can be you know it can be a good thing like wanting to improve that's a good thing but if you don't channel your energy in the correct way, then you can push yourself too hard and basically you won't get progress. So tell me about this idea of failing to start. What aspect? Right? <laughs> Just any, because it's something, and I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep <laughs> bringing it back to me, but it's, a, it's, a, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. The, you know, the idea that they're not ready. And so they're not even going to start. They're not going to venture into doing what they want to do. Uh, I was watching a YouTube, I'm sure, a video the other day, and Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank uh, was just talking about people who want to start their businesses. And she was like, if you have an idea, you know, in this day and age, don't don't worry about the business plans. Don't, you know, get caught up on all that. That's just too much. Just start. Start. And you you talked about that in the video. Starting so that you can begin to get feedback and begin to get on that course toward producing. Yes. Yeah. I I didn't even mention this, but the whole YouTube channel concept, me creating it, came from failing to start something else. So have you heard of dropshipping? No. Okay. So dropshipping is basically, it's a, it's a business model. So you create a product um, or the supplier, you have a supplier kind of have the product. And basically someone, you create a website Someone buys the product from your website, but then the supplier ships it directly to the customer. And so you never have to hold your inventory. So for example, um, like if I wanted to sell clothes, the supplier would manufacture it. The buyer would buy from my website. It gets shipped directly to the customer. So I never have to hold it, the inventory. So, um, but one but what's, your, what's your role in that? I would be like selling the item, okay, or creating the website and then selling the item, okay. But I, but you never actually see the item and you don't inventory it. Yeah, so you don't hold the inventory, but okay. you're, but you're still selling the product. You're, okay. So you're creating the the website, okay. But basically, so the thing is, so you have to get traffic for your website. So 
um, one of the things that I wanted to do, I was looking up like how to do Facebook ads, how to run uh, Google ads, basically generate traffic to my website. But I, you know, I had no prior experience to this. So the idea of paying $500 to run a week's worth of ads or two weeks worth of ads, which is not a risk that I wanted to take, especially <laughs> being okay. at the time I was a freshman in college. Right, so I right. didn't really have like no a lot of money or anything. <laughs> right. So, um, so the whole concept for the YouTube channel was, okay, I don't think that I'm going to start this drop shipping, but I need to start something. So I know this with drop shipping, a lot of drop shippers, they use influencers to market their products. So you don't have to run ads. You can pay an influencer to show mm. your product. And um, if they have a loyal audience, then the, then, you know, the audience will go buy the product. Hmm. So my thought process so isn't was... isn't it as expensive? I mean, paying an influencer versus marketing your own website? Is it as expensive? Or I would imagine it's still costly. I mean, to pay someone to... Yeah, yeah, you still have to market. pay. Yeah. And so that... so. <laughs> I wasn't really willing to invest money at Got that point. Okay. So my idea was, okay, well, influencer marketing, that's something that is um, you know, important. So why don't I just learn marketing by starting my own YouTube channel and learning how to you know, build an audience? And so my idea was, okay, I'm, going to f I'm failing to start this dropshipping, but there's, I need to start something because if I don't start something, then I'm just going to be someone that lives in fear and I will never overcome that fear. And in order to be who I want to be, I have to learn how to overcome fear. Because even before that, <laughs> in high school, I, I would read a lot of uh, books about like relationships, mm -hmm. especially. Really? In high school? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I mean, I've always been, well, number one, I mean, I was a high school guy. So of right. course I was interested in like, you know, getting girls with right, relationships. Right, right. But then also my parents are divorced, so I've always okay. been interested in kind of how relationship dynamics work. Right. But so I would read all of this advice and <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> so I would help my friends with their relationships. Are you and, serious? Yeah. And it would to be honest, my advice would work. <laughs> it did <laughs> <Okay>. work. But <laughs> but the thing is like I never really like asked anyone out or I wasn't like, you know, applying that advice for myself. So I saw that as a failure. And then to me, it was like, okay, I have to, I have to start something. And so I think to me, if you want to start something, you need to look at the, the pain of not starting it because mm. sometimes the pain of not starting it is more than the pain of starting it and failing. Yeah. Cause failing is just, it's arbitrary. It's something that you, who, who determines if you fail? What, if you lose money? Okay, well, most people won't even start the thing. So to me, that's that's a success. And then let's just say you lose money. Well, why can't you get it back? I mean, I, I know that there are, like, obviously people have different circumstances. So, of course, um, it's harder, obviously. But you have to, to me, it's like you have to, you can't have a scarcity mindset. And I think if you fail to start, then it's having a scarcity mindset that you can't get back up if you do fail. Yeah, it's almost though if you have a bunch of ideas, because a lot of people sit on dreams um, and they haven't really acted on them. But 
how would they know that failing to start can be more harmful than starting if they've not started before? Well, you can have awareness of something but not fully understand it. So for me, like I was I was aware that failing to start was more painful than not failing to start or than, than not starting basically. But I didn't really have full understanding of that until I actually started something. So you can have you can have knowledge of it first. For me, I guess I gained knowledge just from reading books. And also, again, um, I mean, we talked about like social media. I can see people that talk about like the importance of starting or even I can see kind of the process too. Like if people document their journey of starting something and then you see them a couple years later and they have, you know, they've improved their life, which I have seen, I've witnessed that, I've seen people do that then I'm conscious of the fact that, yeah, you know, maybe I haven't experienced this yet, but I've seen someone else experience it. Yeah. Everything that you talk about, um, it seems like it all requires a sense of stillness and an understanding that you have to know yourself and spend time listening to life, right? Because even when you talked about time management, Earlier, and a lot of you know the the um, the skills regarding time management and you know having that structure, people know about that. But you said something. You said you have to manage your time and make because you want to make sure that everything you're doing lines up with your long term vision. But that means you have to know what your long term vision is, and that comes from a place of kind of knowing thyself, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It does. And I mean self awareness. People talk about like self-improvement. Self-awareness is the biggest self-improvement hack or whatever you want to call it. Like you have to know yourself. And that just comes from putting in time and I guess like making it a point to know yourself. You have to put in time every day to think about, okay, what is my vision? You know, what, where do I want to be five to 10 years from now? Who, who am I? Am I proud of who I am right now? Like that's something. That's you have something to ask you, the questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, because what does life look like if you're not even asking those questions? Exactly. I mean, to me, it's like, I mean, I hate to say it, but like I think I've gained that just from like observing like my parents or just observing people in general, like people who don't ask those questions and then kind of just seeing where they are and them not being fully satisfied with where they are. Can you can you talk more about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember in high school, I read this <laughs> funny story. So remember the pandemic? I, of course, remember the pandemic. But during the pandemic, I was a senior. Um, my classes got canceled. Hmm. And I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad yeah. by Robert Kiyosaki. And... After reading that book, I remember kind of just looking at my parents and I started like asking them questions like, are you satisfied with where you are right now? Um, Like, what are your dreams? Stuff like that. And just like hearing their responses. um, Just for context, what what do your parents do? This this will crack you up. Uh, So my mom is a principal and my dad is a lawyer. 
So, I mean, by all accounts, you could say, at least by societal standards, like good jobs, prestigious jobs. Actually, I think that's kind of the thing because my mom, like, she makes a good salary. And I really admire my parents. I don't want this to be like I'm bashing my parents. I really admire my parents because my parents um, didn't have the opportunities I have. And they really, like, my dad was the first in his family to go to college. Uh, my mom wasn't the first, but had to pay her way through college, took a semester off, I think finished college in like five or six years because she was working and no one was supporting her. And so I really admire what my parents have done. And just like, if you ask me like who inspires me, it's like my mom. But I also, after asking them those questions and kind of seeing like, oh, like, my parents have kind of achieved the American dream. Like they've raised themselves from a situation that wasn't great into, you know, making six figures, living in the suburbs, things like that. But is that is that the meaning of life? So when you ask them about where they were and how they felt, what did they say? Well, my mom, I mean, like I took a trip to London recently and she was like, you're the first person and our family to go to Europe and like I I want to I want to do what you just did and like you know I wish that I could have done that but then also like she talks about how we have deep conversations like we she's talked about like her student loan debt and like um just like how she won't be able to retire until you know x year because of that debt and um my mom's a very open person I really appreciate her for being uh, open because I feel like not all parents, all parents wouldn't be comfortable having the conversations that she's had with me. So I really, and she's always been transparent. So yeah, she's talked about just like, even like the relationship stuff. I don't want to get too into that, but just like, I've learned a lot about relationships from her too and how, how important they are. Because you talked about reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that prompted you to have a conversation with your parents, uh, did you really? S- my mom with your mom, yeah. Okay, okay. she's I'm more comfortable talking to her. Okay, <laughs> and we have a closer relationship. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, and so I mean, from what I remember, because I read the book a long time ago, I, I think it talks about the the habits of the wealthy versus the habits of the poor or not so wealthy. Yeah, and the, bear, the mindset yeah. that you need to have. Um, if I'm correct, is that the book that talks about purchasing assets and having your assets purchase luxuries? Okay. Oh, yeah. yes. And okay. uh, I remember, like, I had a conversation with my mom about, like, what's her biggest asset? And she said her house. And house. Um, I remember Robert Kiyosaki said in the book, like, your house isn't an asset. And so we had, like, a whole conversation about that, too. I don't remember that in the book. Really? Is that what he said? Why, why, is, why is that the case, that your house isn't an asset? Um, he was talking about, like, because, yeah, that's a debatable point. Okay. But um, just, like, the financial crisis, um, I remember, like, property values went down. And even just, like, your house, the whole point was, like, your house shouldn't be your biggest asset, okay. basically. That was okay. the point. Okay. Um, and but then, it is for most Americans. Yeah, and for that was, sure. And that was his point. Like it, yeah. it shouldn't be. Um, and he talks about like the cash flow quadrant, which is that was another conversation I had with my mom. Like the four areas of income. So some people are, most people like have jobs. 
then you have some people that are Mm self-employed. You have some people that are business owners, and then you have some people that are investors. And basically, you make your money. The people who make the most money are the people in the business and investor category. Mm -hmm. Um, And I even, when I was in London, I went to a conference, and they said that for black people, um, black people who own businesses make 12 times more than people who are just like, who just, who have, who work and have a job, and that's like their primary source of income. Um, and I don't want this to be like. No, a, no, no, yeah, no, that's yeah. interesting. You mean like, so black people who um, are business owners 12 times more than black people who aren't, or 12 times more than everyone who isn't a business owner? I think it may have been, so the context was black people. Okay. So it was either black people who don't versus black people who do have a business. That's a but lot just, But just more. in general, yeah. people who have a business make on average 12x more than people who um, their income is primarily from their job. Yeah. And so I remember, like, I had a whole conversation with my mom about that, like, why, um, why you know, have you ever thought about, like, starting a business and that type of thing? So... Yeah, we had like a lot of conversations from that. But yeah, the main the main thing for that book was it talked about like how people make their money. And after that book, it became uh I was fully aware that like okay, I need to um start a business. Not it doesn't even have to be now, but at some point like that's the goal because financial freedom um he talked about like you make your money work for you. Like don't that was like his big phrase. Um, the rich don't work for money; they make their money work for them. And that that was like a that broke my brain. And it's it's definitely true. It's just such an interesting um, and, and layered conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that obviously we can't have that conversation here. But literally on the way here, I was in a lift with um, uh, the driver is Cuban and his has only been in the country for 10 years and he talked about how Cuba is horrible and it's a dictatorship and you know you don't own anything and that's definitely a view um, held by many but then there are Cubans um, who live there and a lot of times black Cubans who would disagree kind of with that characterization um, and that's just kind of one extreme and then on the other extreme is the United States where you know, it. We are a capitalist society, and we certainly benefit business owners uh, and people who are entrepreneurial and have ideas and are creative and can monetize that. But then, not everyone is destined to be a business owner. You know. Yeah. And it's just such an interesting uh, conversation because does that mean you're just you know you don't start a business you you just can't really get ahead. So that was there's, the whole, a, there's, a, there's a lot in there, but yeah. it's just it's just something to kind of think about. Yeah, and we were yeah. having a debate about that um, at the conference that I went to. Like, do you need to start a business, or like you don't need to? That doesn't have to be like the way, basically. So yeah, I think it's yeah, I I would agree with that too. You don't have to start a business, but certainly it's for wealth accumulation. It's definitely the. I don't want to say it's the easiest method, but it's the most clear method, I would say, in terms of if you want to if you want to make money at an exponential rate. Because right. if you're working a job, a lot of it is like linear progress, um, whereas there's 
certainly it's up and down for business, but it's exponential. Right. Because you're because businesses by definition are serving more people and are serving are meeting a need and therefore they're getting paid for meeting that need. Yeah, and growth is just growth isn't linear for right. a business. And then there's let's not forget the tax code. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that kind of well, helps. <laughs> and that was another thing. Um in the book he talked about like because that was the whole thing, like not having a negative view on money. And so even for like mm-hmm. the tax code, um, using it to your advantage, he talked about that. So that book was very provocative. Um, and he's, I'm personally a progressive in terms of politics. He's a Republican. Um, so it was really interesting reading that book. Kind of, I You're going to run for office one day and someone's going to find that clip or this clip. <laughs> yeah. But you should change parties. That's <laughs> no, just going to continue. <laughs> but yeah, I and I didn't know that at the time. But yeah, I like I like um, I like consuming information or just like listening to people that have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. My two closest friends in high school were were, were Republicans, mm-hmm. and then my not to say that I'm just making Republican friends because my friends now are progressive. But it's 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 very important to listen to people that have a different perspective yeah so what's next for kenya chestnut i mean you've got this growing youtube channel um obviously you and you recently started a podcast is that right yes and i did interviews i'm not sure if i'm going to release them i think the podcast is going to be something that i do later on i like having conversations with people and like we are now but i think it would be better if i focus more on the youtube and other stuff. So this is an interesting question because you are young. <laughs> so what advice would you give to a a younger Kenya? Uh, definitely. Hmm. Um, I think the main thing is just start. I just start something and really think about like what I want to do. I mean, it's it's tough because like if I'm talking to a younger Kenya, it's like 18. So, <laughs> right, right. you know, you don't really want, you don't know what you want to do when you're 18, but that's kind of the point. Like you just start a lot of things and you figure it out. And I've, I've learned so much just from starting a YouTube channel. Like my whole, what I'm aware of compared to what I was aware of a couple years ago is just completely different. So I just, just start something. It can be, anything um just start a project it can be a youtube channel it can be a podcast it can be anything just something that excites you and just make sure to keep going with it or if you don't like it start something else but make sure that you start something and once you it's it's gonna pop like something when you enjoy something like you're gonna keep on going and so find that thing that you enjoy by starting not by just listening to people or like listening to content or or whatever like you need to start as many things as possible Mm. and then the thing that you find that you really enjoy keep doing it and don't let anyone that doubts you stop you from doing that or don't let don't let your environment um question don't question i would say you should question what you're doing but certainly like don't let other if people are doing something different that's okay because mm. you're 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 a unique person yeah. everyone is unique in their own way so yeah. just keep doing what you're what you want to do that's interesting you say start 
many things or, you know, be involved and, and, and do things. Yeah. Um, and the excitement or the energy will follow that which you should be doing. Yes. Yeah. I think Oprah calls that flow. Yeah. Being in flow. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. book about that, too. Right. Being in flow. <laughs> so for our uh, listeners and, and viewers uh, now who want to find you online and in the social media space, where can they find you? Uh, so my YouTube channel, so Kenya, like the country, K-E-N-Y-A, and then chestnut, like uh, more chestnut or chestnut trees. Awesome. Well, Kenya, thanks for coming on to the podcast. This has been interesting. And, you know, I've, I've, I've definitely enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed it, too. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.